have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board-certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern-day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. While we're certainly not promoting actual bad therapy, we are here to shine a light on the messy situations that therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Leah's back, Allie, and she's back again. And this time, she's not sharing with us what she shared with us earlier on episode 54 uh, about how her child was uh, fighting a client's child. Nope, this time she's here to share with us an actual very tragic story of how systemic failures led to a client um, accidentally killing another person. I know, and this leads to a conversation we have that really felt not great, but like validating, I think, to me about how as therapists, we do experience a unique grieving process, how it can feel isolating and complicated and confusing. And it's something that feels like we don't talk about enough, which I feel like we always say, but I feel like those are the topics that come to the podcast are the ones that we don't talk about enough. So please stay tuned. Message us too. I feel like we need to talk about this more. Yeah. So hopefully this generates some more conversation. So reach out if you have things to say on this. We'd love to hear from you on our Instagram, you know, wherever you can reach us, because this is a conversation that Genuinely, I feel like we don't talk about enough. And as a reminder, this is not a substitute for clinical consultation, ethical guidance, or therapy itself, because we do not endorse bad therapy. All right. Well, this is episode number 84. Are you watching the news? Let's get into it. Hey, Leah. We are so excited to have you back. Me too. Thanks for having me again. I know it's been about what? When was your episode? I was just looking. It was, let's see, episode 59. So it's been a little while since we heard from you. Oh yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Well, why don't you give us an updated bio or re- refresh our um, listeners' memory or if they didn't listen to that episode, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into your story. Yeah. So some things have actually changed since the last time I was on. So I am currently in virtual private practice located in North Carolina, but I see folks in North and South Carolina. Um, I also still provide licensure supervision for people in North Carolina. And I've started doing brain spotting intensives, which is super exciting. And I'm loving being able to do that with folks. Um, gotten rid of the Florida license, not seeing people there until counseling compact goes into effect whenever that ends up happening. Hopefully soon. I yes. cannot wait to learn more about brain spotting from you. <laughs> yes. Yes. But we are not here to talk about that today. We're here because you're back with another bad therapist story. 
you know, your previous story, not, I'm not going to give any spoiler alerts, but your child ended up fighting a client's child. Um, but so tune into that episode if you'd like to check out the ending to that. But Leah, what are you back to share with us today? So back to tell y'all about a time long time ago, um, I was working with kids again and I had this one client, they had bounced around between different levels of care. There had been some outpatient, some residential, some intensive services, some less intensive services. And I had seen him for a long time. Had He had been involved with multiple agencies within our area. A lot of folks knew this kid. Um, he had been discharged from our program to a higher level of care. Hadn't seen him in a while. And then I think he had actually stepped down for a little bit somewhere else. But I'm sitting at home one day, um, my supervisor calls and she says, are you watching the news? No, I don't watch the news, but let me go ahead and turn it on. And I turn on the news and there's a report about someone who had stolen a car at night and had an accident and had killed someone, killed the driver of the other car. And through this news story, found out the person driving the car was my previous client. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, what was your, what was that like seeing, did you know it was your client when you turned on the news? Yes, they, and I don't at this time recall how I knew that, whether it was names were released or picture that I don't recall, but it was, I knew a hundred percent that was him. What was that moment like for you? Awful. (laughs) Um, And this, this was one of those clients, and I can say this now, I, adored him like a fun kid teen to work with like one of those that has always had a special place in my heart and there's I mean obviously a lot of struggles that he had gone through there was a lot of things that just he was dealt an awful hand and having worked with him for a while, you know, I knew a lot of that, the ins and outs. And there was this moment of feeling like I had failed him, even though I hadn't worked with him in years, there's that responsibility that we take on. Could I have done this part differently? Could I have advocated in this way differently? And the grief, of course, for this poor other family who had lost a family member and a feeling of responsibility as if I had something to do with that death, even though, right, logically speaking, of course, I know it had nothing to do with me and I can't take responsibility for somebody else's actions. And like as therapists, we do that. And I think even more so when we're working with kids and teens and even young adults, I can totally relate to this, Leah. I worked in a magnet school for a while, and we had students from all different parts of the state come in, from a lot of like lower income areas come into the magnet school. And this would happen a lot where 
later on or even current students, we would hear stories of some of them were involved, unfortunately, in really violent crimes, things happened, like all this, and it would kind of get shared around similarly, like, oh my gosh, did you see this story? And I felt so similar, like, oh my gosh, I could have done more. Maybe if I had done this or done that, like they would have been in a different place. And even hearing it among the teachers in the school, having those similar thoughts, like in that community of people who had worked with these amazing kids. And like you said, so often it was like, these were incredible people to work with. And then hearing that something like this happened, it again, I feel aligned of like, I also would get that immediate thought of like, oh my gosh, I could have done something different, even though, like you said, logically, that's not true. But I feel like it's a very common response as a therapist. Yeah. So what happened next? You got the call from your supervisor. You realized it was a former client. What happened next? Not a ton. He was no longer part of our program. So there wasn't much, you know, from a therapy standpoint or even agency standpoint for us to do. Um, I did, I do know that due to age and some other things that was trial as adult. Um, I don't know the outcome of that because I chose not to follow things and partially because of privacy. Like, you know, we're not supposed to Google our clients. Like those are ethical things we follow. And even though this was a previous, it was, I just, that's not something that I need to get into. Um, There was one of the, good things was there was a lot of support between those of us who, you know, knew him, not only my supervisor, but other therapists that I worked with had seen him previously. And so being able to have just lean on each other mm-hmm. and being able to say like, wow, this is big and folks who understand that mm-hmm. as well. I'm I'm thinking how different your experience might have been had you been in a solo private practice or in your current virtual practice. It was, you're speaking to the level of social support and and people who already had the background history of you and the client that you could, you could process together with. That's incredible. Yeah. Now, how do you feel like you worked through, like, it sounds like with their support, you worked through it, but how do you like battle? Cause even on a smaller level, I feel like things like this come up of like, maybe something as small as like a client ghosts us or they have to go to a higher level of care, right? I feel like this can be applied to like, again, like, oh, did I do something wrong? Could I have done more? How do you work through those feelings on a big level like this or on those smaller moments? Cause again, I feel like it's something that comes up so commonly for therapists, but I don't know that we often talk about collectively, like, again, how we get through those moments? That's a great question. I think a lot of it is reminding myself of that. And in this case, in particular, without getting into the details, I knew so many of the details of the background that I was able to step back and look at this from more of a systemic perspective. Like there, there were systemic things that happened that led up to this in a sense. And even though this was not an intentional killing, right? This was, it was a, it was a car accident that ended in a fatality, but it was not somebody going out to do harm. And yet 
I firmly believe that there, there are systemic things that could have been done differently that weren't where there could have been a different outcome. Let's pause here for a quick ad break. Since you're here, we're going to assume that you already like learning from other people. And if you want to take that a little bit deeper and a little further, you should join us on the network. The Therapist Network is actually where Allie and I met and formed this podcast, if you can believe it, several years ago. It is where we have our unfiltered, unhinged at times conversations about what being a therapist is like and the unique aspects that come up in our work. Yes, and we value the Bad Therapist community so much. It is such an incredible part of this podcast, and it just reminds me of the invaluable community that is the Therapist Network, and it's just a gift that keeps on giving, and you really should come join us on the Therapist Network. Thank you, Allie, for the shout out. That was a very nice endorsement. I think we can offer everyone listening a 30% off discount for your first subscription to The Therapist Network. So if you're a mental health clinician, use code BADTHERAPIST to join us at thetherapist.network and we hope to connect with you inside. Hey listeners, it's Catherine here. And I'm coming to you today because Allie's not the best at bragging on herself. And I want to remind you all that she has an incredible resource available for free at our website, cccs.care. Allie's Creative Intervention Library is full of easy interventions that even non-art therapist clinicians like me can use with clients of all ages. Every intervention has a list of materials, an entire process video where you watch Allie doing it, and a written description and steps so you can follow along at home. Plus, she even has a list of diagnoses that might find this creative intervention helpful. So if you want to access a totally free library of interventions for when you feel stuck with clients, check out Allie's website cccs.care and sign up for free today. And now let's circle back to the show. I'm going back and and I'm just sitting here thinking, yeah, and you were part of that system, right? And yes. And so that comes up for me, right? We as therapists are often part of these systems that have major failures. Um, Mm -hmm. But going back to when you got the call, turn on the news from your supervisor and you're I, the one thing that stood out to me is you said you thought that you, you thought you felt you immediately felt responsible, right? Mm-hmm. Or that you were it was partly your fault. And then I think, well, your supervisor was calling you to turn on the news about a client who had just killed someone. I think that might be a logical conclusion to, to jump to that. Oh, I might have something to do with this. How did your supervisor handle that call? She actually did amazing. That was not my take on it at all when yeah. she called. Mm-hmm. It was more, oh my goodness, are you? It, it was, she was calling from a case, uh, I'm sorry, a place of concern. Like, do you happen to be watching this? Are you okay? Uh, which, which is huge as well. Like, she, oh, she was amazing, amazing. I, I still love her dearly. Uh, <laughs> just, one of my favorite humans on the planet, but there was very much this place of concern because again, like, especially the way our program worked, she had had a ton of involvement with this kid as well. So it was almost, it wasn't quite a peer to peer. Are you okay? Because she was ultimately above me in the company hierarchy, but it was, I did not feel blame from her at all. Like it was very much, 
I need to make sure that you're okay. I'm checking in with you. Continue to check in with me. Like if you need to talk, I did. I kind of turned it on, went, uh, stepped outside so I could speak freely to her because my family was home. I can't have this conversation even on the phone in front of my husband and kids and whoever else was around. Um, but yeah, she was great and supportive. And there was, we were able to commiserate on some of the systemic failures that have led up to this point. And some of that is, of course, oh, well, if only this, if only that, that we can't go back and change that. But having her recognize that as well, I think really helped helped me not spiral into the self-blame. She was a really good model for how to, mm-hmm. how to cope, process, and, and a good base yes. for you. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Now, I feel like something else that this like makes me think of is how, as therapists, we form these very intimate relationships, right? Like we know a lot about our clients and things like that. And sometimes we might hear something after the fact or even during our work together, right? And it's we almost experience our own grieving process of like if we lose a client or something happens. But obviously, we're the therapist, so it's different than a friend or a family member and things like that. Do you feel like you experience any of your own of like that? almost like grief of like for this client and then how we navigate that. Cause again, it's not personal, but it feels personal and it feels complicated. And what do we do as humans? Like, what was that piece like for you, Leah? Yeah, it's, and that's absolutely true because right. I, I can't go to my husband and say, Hey, you see this? Like, Oh yeah, that's one of the ones that I worked with for years there. Like we can't do that. I, we can't talk to friends. It's whether our own therapy or with coworkers again was just amazing, but it's, I think as a field, we don't talk about these things enough and it it seems like we're getting better with it. And especially when we talk about the death of a client, um, I'm, I'm seeing more and more discussion about that and how that impacts us. But with folks who especially work with higher risk clients where there is maybe more likelihood of your client doing harm to others it's a very strange place to be in mm-hmm. because there is this, I feel terrible that there's been these, again, systemic failures that my client has experienced. And I feel responsible for some of that because I am part of that system. And those, I don't know the word for it, but I think about like, and this is not the same thing at all, but I think about parents that I've worked with when they have had a child or an adult child, a child, child who has done incredible harm to others, no matter what that looks like and how they have those feelings of grief and loss for their own child because they've been incarcerated or they're distancing themselves for whatever reasons, but also that feeling of guilt and responsibility for the victims And it's, well, obviously this was not my child that has done this. And so it's different. It's a really weird place to be in, very conflicted, very confusing, and not a lot of people get that. And it's not something that we see talked about a lot in spaces. It's not something that most people have to sit with. And that's true as well. Yeah. I know. I feel like I don't even know where to go with that. Of like, we need to talk about it more. But now I'm sitting here. I'm like, okay, we're talking about it. 
mm, but then what? It's like, again, yeah. I feel like it's not even talked about to the point. I'm like, so I don't even know where we go from here, except it just feels yeah. really big and important in this space. And yeah. as we're talking about it. Yeah. And I think, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to come on and share this one in particular is like, these things happen and it is, it's awful and it's confusing and it's, I think we also as therapists, right, we have very real liability concerns. And, you know, and that was another thought as well that also feels awful to think like, am I going to somehow be held legally liable for this? Right. Even though I know that, how can you? And yet there's also those fears that come into our heads as well. But then that feels gross to say that like someone has lost their life. And yet here I am like, oh, there might be board action against me. But that's the reality of some of the feelings that we have. And so just normalizing that for anybody who has been in that and that it's okay to talk about these things. It is something that I try to bring up in supervision with supervisees, like as we talk about just more general, whether it's ethical things or what would you like, I haven't brought up the example completely, but we've talked about when their clients have done harm, like, Hey, how is this for you? Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's real. And it's okay to talk about that and bring it up. And we have to. Yeah. And I feel like, Oh, go ahead, Catherine. I was just going to, yeah, just, addition, we just witnessed so much that, and we mm-hmm. sit with so much that we as therapists, I think are exposed to an, ungodly amount of emotional situations. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the peril of our work. That's what we get exposed to on a daily basis. And so it is natural that we as therapists are talking about some of the more nuanced gray spaces and difficult navigation between relationships and victims and care and concern and compassion. Um, And you're right. I don't think many people, we don't talk about it as much. And I'm even struggling talking about it right now. It's a hard thing to articulate. Yeah, it is. And then the part of me too in my brain is like, you know, I say, we say to clients all the time, like, this is about you. Obviously, this isn't about me. But then things like this happen. And I feel like I can't help but be like personalizing it almost again of like what you're experiencing. And then you layer it on with like, but you're just this distant third party and that these people are experiencing loss and grief and all of these. It almost feels like we don't have a place at the table. But we do because Mm -hmm. it does impact us. Like we are humans and it can be personal because you shared a relationship with this person, whatever side of the, you know, incident you were on. But again, I can't help but feel like it even might be hard to talk about because like I said, it almost feels like we don't deserve a place at the table or have it, even though my brain can also tell me that's not true. Yeah. And I think it gets even more nuanced for us as therapists because of all the ethics that come into play, right? So if I was a teacher of this person, you know, if I had been a high school teacher, whatever teacher, I would, I would have a space for that. I would be able to talk with others and it's more open, whereas we can't do that, we don't have that available to us either. So there's even, there's less, that the community of shared grief gets so much smaller because even talking to other therapist friends who haven't 
seen this person. I can't even give details to them. I can't say, hey, this, you know, person that I saw for X amount of years and went through X, Y, and Z with, I can't say that. It's got to be no more than what I've said here to protect privacy. Yeah. And it's funny you said that about the teachers because that was my experience when I was working in the magnet school. And like I said, situations very similar came up and it would be, you know, again, I feel like working among in a school even can be challenging or if you're working with programs that are in schools a lot because so they can be so open like teachers and education Mm -hmm. and staff and they can say oh I had them as a student and oh I remember this and like that part of a grieving process or a discussion and you can't chime in and say oh yeah I had them as a client or that kind of thing or someone says did you know them and it's like a very you have to be so mindful of how you answer and things like that and that can be another piece like you're saying even among other therapist professionals but educators, teachers, schools, how they might share an experience and process that, you know, grief or experience can be so different for us as well. Yeah. And I think about even reaching out to others who have been involved with a client. So again, if I was a teacher, depending on relationship may or may not be appropriate to reach out to family members of the client or reach out to other, you know, teacher could reach out to previous therapist, right? And, hey, I want to make sure that you're aware or give my condolences or even some of those things that we typically do in a grief process. And we cannot do any of those things, which for me, I think somehow feeds a little bit more into that feeling of liability because it's like, oh, well, now it has to be secret that I ever knew this person. And not that that's different from any other client that we work with, but it's it kind of heightens that for me, at least in this situation. I almost, I'm getting an anxious feeling. Like I'm feeling Mm -hmm. grief. Grief's a big feeling. I'm not good at containing my feelings. And I have to keep this feeling secret. Like that, that's a lot. Yeah. Maybe you're so, better Leo, at So, what might... <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> well, Leah, so what would you say to a therapist experiencing, like we're talking about whether it's this kind of grief, the situation you talked about today, anything similar, what advice might you give for navigating this conversation that, again, feels so difficult? Yeah. Having your people that you can talk to, whether it's your own therapist, whether it is a... Um, peer support group, consultation group, like those connections are so important because we do need this space to be able to process these things and to be able to work through them. And we don't have the ability to do that in the same ways that almost any other field does. And so making sure that you have those connections, especially, you know, like you pointed out, for those of us in solo practice, it would have been a whole different ball game had that happened now when it's just me um, really being intentional about seeking out those relationships. You know what, Ali, your analogy comes to mind about having a seat at the table. It sounds like mm-hmm. like teachers and other professionals, they had their tables already, their tables existed that they could freely talk about this student. And for therapists, we have to in grief and in our processing and support, we actually, Mm -hmm. it's the onus is on us to create our table, not just to find a seat at someone else's table. We have to create our own safe space table. And that I think is what you're speaking to with 
not, not being able yeah, the difference in mourning. Yeah. Well, you know, we can't thank you enough for bringing, again, this important topic that feels so difficult to talk about, but I'm glad we're having these conversations because hopefully they keep sparking new ones, help us feel less alone. Um, And where can people find you outside of the podcast if they'd like to connect? The best place is probably going through my website because that has all of my information on it. That is ridgelinecas.com. Got email there, phone number, contact form, carrier pigeons, all the good (laughs) things. That's probably the best way to do it. Love it. Perfect. Well, thank you again so much, Leah, for coming back. It was such a pleasure to talk to you again. Thank you, Leah. Yes, thank you all for having me. And that's it. The OG Bad Therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for this week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We love the Bad Therapist community so much and want to continue normalizing real therapist experience. You can help us by leaving a five-star review or sharing this episode with a friend or colleague. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song, along with many others, on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air for Effect. And if you've experienced an actual bad therapist, contact your state health department or head over to StopBadTherapy.com for more information. And if you've liked this episode, we've got plenty more. Yeah, over 50 therapist stories ready for you to binge if you can't wait for our newest episode next Monday. 